Passing Dimes is over the moon to partner with BetStamp. BetStamp is a mobile app in the sports betting space that shows you the odds from every sports book in one spot. Do you enjoy betting on the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, World Cup, or more? With BetStamp, you can compare the best available odds at one sportsbook versus the worst odds at another sportsbook all in one place. Go to the App Store today and download BetStamp for free and use code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S. For a limited time, BetStamp is offering you, a friend of the show, an opportunity to learn more about BetStamp and several sportsbooks where you can get an edge in online sports betting. Message the Passing Dimes Instagram or Facebook account for more information. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. He grew up playing for Pac-Man and Oakville Thunder before attending Humber College, and get ready for this one. So he's already won a CCAA silver medal. He's a two-time OUA champion, a two-time OUA silver medalist, a two-time All-Canadian. He's won OUA Player of the Year, Humber Athlete of the Year, is the all-time leader in single-season aces for Humber, uh, all-time aces and all-time assists. Please welcome to the show, Jake Gomes. Jake, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. So hopefully the listeners are like me, and after hearing that bio, they're like, what? Humber's had some guys roll through that program, so why did we take so long to get you on the show? But before we get to the the Humber career, take me from the start. So you being an Oakville Thunder and then a Pac-Man guy, were you always a volleyball guy, or were you playing other sports growing up? Uh, yeah, so I actually started off with baseball. I played pretty much uh, all the way up until uh, high school, and then I had to choose between volleyball and uh and baseball when it got uh, to the competitive season. But yeah, I started, I started volleyball in uh, grade five, uh, just joined the elementary school team, kept growing from there and then started Oakville Thunder in 14U, played Oakville Thunder 14U, 15U, and then moved to Pac-Man uh, from 16U to 18U. Nice. And help me with the timeline because you're still a pretty young guy, but I'm wondering, did you miss triple ball? Like, have you always been a setter? Or did you start off playing triple ball? Uh, yeah, so I actually missed triple ball in club, but I played like a bit of it in school but not in the club season nice and did you know you always wanted to be setter or did you switch around a little bit in club no i always uh i started as a setter and grew up as a setter so always been a setter so obviously oakville thunder has done a a great job over the years usually a little bit more stronger in the women's program so what made you look to switch to pac-man just a stronger club honestly um i started off with oakville just because i lived in oakville um i didn't really know too much about like the volleyball community when i first started um so i just went to oakville uh just to try out yeah, I made it there. Um, but yeah, after that, I just saw Pac-Man as a club, and uh, I knew they're pretty big uh, in that community. So yeah, I wanted to go there, tried out for them, and and I uh, yeah made the B team, stayed with the B team for the rest of the years. But uh, yeah, it was just better coaching and. Uh, better guys and better players around that community so yeah we've had a few Pac-Man guys over the years on the show and I mean the B team is usually quite strong like uh what comes to mind recently is Liam Butcher who had a heck of an OCW career as well being yeah. for lack of a better term like a, a B team guy as well so uh when you were coming through what was the scene like when you said there were strong coaches there were strong players like was there much interaction with the A team guys or were you guys usually in the gym on your own like what was the what the club scene like yeah not too much um we maybe scrimmaged them uh, maybe a handful of times during the season. Um, but yeah, we were pretty much on our own uh, A-team, B-team. Um, I started off in 16U with Pratik um, and then Reed Hall with uh, 17U and 18U. So great coach, Reed Hall, uh, with also the strengthening side as well. He had a gym, so we went into the athlete matrix a lot to uh, to work out there. And 
we had the, that side of volleyball or that the side of volleyball and the side of the strength and conditioning as well. Nice, nice. So with strong coaches, uh, a strong team, and strong role models coming through Pac-Man, did you know that post secondary was going to be a thing for you? Um, yeah, not till actually like seventeen. U. Um, I really didn't think like that was an option um, growing up. I didn't really know again too much about like the volleyball community and playing at that level but yeah after like 16 17 you i started de- developing that um and realizing um there is that next level and playing in the uh, ocaa or the oua but chose the o- ocaa side so yeah and when you were looking at other options was humber going to be your, your first choice like when you did a visit there or what else were you considering um yeah so actually niagara um was probably my top option uh, to start uh they recruited me in 17 years so it was actually my first offer uh, so i was pretty excited about that it was kind of when you receive that first offer you kind of boom right off the gate you kind of want to accept it right away but um and then slowly after that tournament uh i got asked like they were talked to by a few other coaches but yeah i did uh i did a few tours i went to humber actually it was a humber versus niagara game so it was kind of Kind of cool to see that um, Humber did end up winning, but yeah, it was kind of it was great uh, walking into that gym uh, right away. I was like uh, recognized by the coach. Uh, he introduced me uh, to the other like coaches, the assistant coaches, and also to the team. Like after the game, went in. He gave me a few like pieces of gear, like a sweater, scarf, and just like already like made me feel like I was at home. And then kind of did the same thing. Went to Niagara. Um, it didn't feel that same vibe. I uh, didn't feel like it was like that. Didn't coach it. The coach came up to me um, before the game, uh, but it was like five minutes towards the game. So he, uh, he told me he would come back after the game, talk to me. Uh, never did. So kind of showed uh, both sides. But yeah, definitely. Uh, I went to a few Humber practices and just from there, it uh, made history. So Nice. nice. And remind me, uh, who would have been some of the vets on Humber in your very first year, or even some of those practices when you were a recruit? Like, what was Cayman still there? Or who were some of the guys who yeah, were like a little bit Cayman, older? Uh, Clayton Blanchett. Um, yeah, Andrew Blakey. Um, I mean, Roddy. I mean, Roddy came with me in my first year, but he's a pretty big name now. So, um, yeah, Cayman, Dylan Debasheri. I think uh, yeah, he was there as well. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of great volleyball players in my first year. And what was your first impression of Humber? Because it's a guy who coached against them with George Brown, and like I, I got a sense of school spirit just walking through the hallways because everybody has a poster. Like you walk down the long hallway, like you can just tell you're in the athletic center where there, there's other schools in the college realm that you don't know you're in the gym until you're literally in the gym. So uh, just tell me about the Humber scene, not only like the men's volleyball squad, but it feels like every team is like treated like pros there, right? Yeah, honestly, like the athletic department, is, it's it's like a family and you walk down, you're saying hi to every single person. Like everyone knows you in the department. You walk, you walk into school and like, yeah, you're, you're like famous. You, you walk in and everyone's saying hi. Everyone's like giving you a high five. And yeah, it's a, it's a huge environment. Everyone's super friendly, super, um, like I said, like a family. Um, and we're all together. Like every sport knows each other using like HPC and therapy, everyone's and everyone's in that, uh, those environments. So yeah, it's, it's great. It's, uh, just like you said, it's like a, it's like a pro being a pro. So take me through the first practice sessions. Like, did you have expectations of starting? Did you kind of look up and down the roster and be like, I'm gonna have to buy my time? Like what was Wayne like in those early things? Because I imagine it's different when he's chasing you to be a recruit versus when you're a first year on the squad. Right. So what were some of those first impressions with the team? 
Yeah, definitely uh, come in. I mean, I knew the setter uh, was leaving uh, in my upcoming year, and I actually didn't know Raddy was coming. So I, I I thought like yeah I had a decent chance, but I wasn't I wasn't the athlete I was that I am now back then um, at all. So um, I actually didn't start my first year. Raddy Raddy did play over me. Um, so yeah, there I didn't have too much uh, expectations. Like I was super happy just joining the team. Uh, a great uh, a great coach team. So um, yeah, I'm glad uh, I'm glad I was able to actually ride the bench um, the first year to learn a lot and to see what it's actually like. Um, and then on from there, from year two onwards, I was, uh, I was starting from the starting from them. Sweet. And so let me, let me know the behind the scenes. When you say you weren't the athlete you are now, did you have to get stronger to play at that level? Was there a last minute growth spurt happening? Like what were some changes you saw from first year till now? Yeah, there's actually a big uh, change from first year to second year, even, um, that a lot of people still talk, talk about this, uh, to this day. Um, so a big guy, Chris, Christopher Caputi, um, he's my, uh, off-season trainer that I work with um, at the Gambit Athletic Club. Yeah, I just put in a lot of work in that summer, just realizing that I, I do want to play and I, I wasn't okay with like being on the bench. Um, and then I knew that there had to be a change from um, from that to actually being a starter. So I put my mind to it and I, and I worked super hard in the summer. Um, I came into Humber at a weighing about like 200, almost like 240. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't at that like athletic ability to compete with these guys jumping and all that. So, and then I came in, um, year two at about, uh, like two Oh five. So definitely had that, a lot of like that weight loss to, uh, to help. Um, and definitely helped with like my serving, my jumping and being able to attack being a six setter. So that definitely helped a lot. And take me through the, the coaching staff there, because uh, I would say uh, me and Mac are good buddies, and I've known Wayne for a lot of years, but uh, I've also known some setters there like Rowdy or Pat Richardson who have come through, and uh, Wayne and Hank can be pretty tough on the setting positions, a lot of expectations, because you guys usually have some some athletic wing hitters. So just take me through when you started getting playing time. Was there a big learning curve about the expectations and the offense those guys want to run? Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, like uh... – Wayne was a setter back then, so uh, he's a setter coach, so he has uh, very high expectations for uh, me, which I like, and he's super hard. He's super hard on me, um, each practice, each game, um, and he expects the best for me, and so do I, so which is good. Um, all the other coaches, on the other hand, like they do the same. They uh, they want what's best for me, and uh, they make sure I, I get that, so they're all they're all hard on me in, uh, in a good way, for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely Wayne, um, hundred uh, percent, just because he has that set of background and he's hard on me for that, uh, for that reason, for sure. Now, when you joined Humber, were you aware of, I don't want to say rivalries, because I think so many people think they're rivals with Humber when they're probably not, like they probably get up to play you guys when you guys think it's just another game or maybe there are some true rivalries, but were you aware of just the, the feeling that a lot of people were going to fire up for you guys and kind of be like the game on the schedule where don't get me wrong. Like I think a Humber Fanshawe game is a rivalry, but there's probably like four or five other teams who think they're rivals with you guys. So what's it like just going to the gym every night, knowing that maybe not that you're hated, but definitely the other team's going to fire up for you. I mean, yeah, we talk about that pretty much every game that we think that uh, every team's going to play their best against us just because um, for the past few years, we've been we've been on the top. So everyone, everyone wants to be the best. So um, we always prepare for that, but we never uh, we never let that affect our game. And we know so we uh, everyone, everyone hates the H. So 
we let that uh, we let that fuel our game. So it doesn't bother us. Now, just looking at your career, obviously it was interrupted a little bit by by COVID there, but as you're climbing through, uh, it looks like every stat starts to go up in terms of uh, your assists, your aces, your digs. So is that just a credit to you getting stronger, like you said, or, or just getting more skilled in the game as well? Yeah, definitely more skilled in the game for sure, but a lot of it has to do with my teammates as well. Um, I've had a lot of great outside hitters and middles um, for the assists for sure, but um yeah as as far as serving um definitely like getting stronger and working out every summer and even during season and whatnot and working on like the technical side of the serve uh even to this day i'm still changing um a bit of my serve just to make it better and stronger but yeah i would say that for sure now College is pretty unique where the team's going to change a little bit every year, and sometimes it changes every semester. So I'm wondering when you're in that leadership role as a setter, how are you making the new guys comfortable? How are you making sure the offense is still what Wayne wants to run, but also you're plugging in different guys so it might change from year to year? Like, How are you kind of taking the, the leadership role and making sure that, uh, yeah, we're humber and we have a system, but now we got different guys to work with, right? Yeah, uh, we went through that this year. Um, we had a few guys that were allowed to play um, in the first half, so we had uh, we needed guys to fill in those spots. Um, and then you like, we we all have that one goal in mind, um, and everyone in, in practice and whatnot knows our system and knows kind of how we run it. So um, definitely, like coming on into the games, um, and definitely in, in that huddle in that first little thirty seconds to a minute that we have. Um, definitely reinforce, reinforce those words and uh, those positive mindset um, that coach usually like tells us prior to in practices and whatnot, just to get those guys mentally focused, prepared into the game. Um, just those small little things, and always end off with uh, just have fun. And uh, and yeah, all these these guys, even even our rookies, played uh, volleyball past uh, in the club, so we don't really have uh, any uh, new volleyballers uh, per se. So. We have a lot of guys that uh, um, are quick learners, so it's pretty easy for that as well. So with the history of Hummer, like we've already touched on just the men's program and also like the athletic department there, what was it like finally getting back to a final? And when I say finally, it's just funny that there was like, in the eyes of a fan, a drought, right? And the drought was only from 2014 to 2018. Uh, but was that just confirmation that you knew you had a good squad and like a good cycle coming through? Because uh, not that they were down years. It's just funny that like when when I read off, you guys won uh, three gold medals in a row from 2010 to 2012. There was a silver there in 2014. Uh, like it just seems like they're always in the hunt. But uh, man, playing in the finals, just a different mood, right? So when you got there, I believe 2018 would have been your second year. What was that like being in the final again as a Humber guy? Yeah, no, it felt uh, it felt great uh, being back there. Um, I mean, we definitely knew we had that opportunity. I believe that year we went uh, 18 and 0 um, in regular season. So uh, we definitely knew we had that shot of getting back there. And it was just uh, that dedication and effort playing in that playoff, um, the crossover, and then going into the quarters, semis. Um, but yeah, it felt good. And uh, we definitely knew that uh, we should have been there. So, And where does your mind go? When like, yeah, you have such a great regular season, you lose in the final, like obviously you're working your tail off in the summer again, but when you get to the final again, does it feel like, okay, this is the time or what was the mood around that 2019 team who just, just couldn't get the job done again? Yeah, that was the one that we played at home. Uh, we lost them in the, the set to a really great, uh, talented uh, franchise squad, but um, yeah, it was pretty disappointing uh, that we couldn't, uh, couldn't win it at home, but 
like I said, uh, that squad on the other side uh, with Fanshawe was super strong, and uh, we felt we felt super short by fifty points. So uh, we battled a great game. So it, uh, it was a tough loss, but we definitely learned a lot uh, from that game and from that moment uh, being in that finals. And we definitely use that to, towards the next years. Um, in the next two uh, finals that we actually won and uh, took the gold there. So, now are you guys uh, an out loud uh, expectation team? Like, are you guys talking about winning OHCAA like every year? Are you guys talking about going to nationals? Like, uh, are you a little bit more like maybe like the Philadelphia 76ers about like process and let's get better today? Like, where, where does Humber fall on that spectrum? No, I definitely see um, that everyone thinks that Humber is that team that always makes provincials, always medals always uh i mean for the years that i've been there for sure um they expect us to to be there to win um and that's my expectation um of course and for the past um four or five years we've been to nationals so a lot of teams out west out east um are definitely looking out for us and they definitely know our name so um colleges will be uh will be looking for humber and humber will be known for sure now take me through 2020 because you guys finally confirm it and you get it done but uh i don't know there's just a weird feeling where i would rather lose in the finals than not playing it at all so like is the goal to finally get over the hump and win it or is the goal just to get back to finals like what what was kind of the mission that 2020 year yeah the 2020 year was um yeah to get to the finals and and take it this time and win it uh we didn't actually play fan shot in the finals in the ocwa um so it was a different story um but yeah, we I think it was Durham. Uh, yeah, Durham College that we played in the OCAA finals. Um, and it was a three three straight. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a solid win. And uh, like I said, we kind of expected to be there. And uh, and take me through the the prep then for nationals because it is a quick turnaround. And sometimes it can be a little bit challenging to know what's going on in the other conferences. So did you guys know your draw pretty well? Was it like some last minute video study? Like what was that 2020 year like when you went to CCAAs? Um, yeah, it's pretty last minute, honestly. Um, after our finals, I think it was like three days after, um, we were able to get some video um, on Holland. That was the team that we played first. Um, so we were able to do a bit of video on them. Uh, we had a video session back at home, but then also um in uh at the national as well um at the hotel we were able to do a, a game plan session there so we did have uh, some time to prepare but definitely not, not as much time as a normal game would would entail so holland in the quarters who was your semi that year sherbrooke Nice. So uh, another team that maybe you see sometimes an exhibition and they pop up in nationals again. And then just remind me, who was the final that year as well? Uh, Capilano. Nice. So you've seen them before, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And it was funny because uh, we had a player, Hapa, Rafael Hilario, um, who was on that team that previously played for us the year before. So lots of them in the finals. It was, it was kind of funny that uh, he was on that team. Now, do you remember that year specifically? And what I mean is COVID hit like at that exact moment, but you guys were already there and I think played your first game before U sports and some other sport disciplines shut down. So what was the mood around the hotel about like what is happening in the world and why were you guys allowed to continue to play? Yeah, it was honestly pretty crazy. Um, and even for a lot of like our parents, our parents flew down to, to come watch us and, uh, even for the arena, I think it was for the first game, they allowed, uh, they allowed some fans. It was pretty restricted, but, um, 
for the second and third day, they canceled all fans, no fans allowed in the gym. So a lot of the parents like had to book rooms in the hotel to like watch the games there. So it was pretty hectic, but um, yeah, knowing that we had to go back home in the COVID world um, was kind of shitty, but knowing that we were able to still play um, and finish off the nationals, we were still pretty excited about that. Uh, especially I think it was after the corner final win um, is kind of when we were finding out the, all this news. So we were uh, super excited to move on and into the semi. So we would have been pretty upset if uh, we weren't able to uh, continue. So, and, and how did you guys deal with that distraction? Because Hummer's got a beautiful gym, huge bleachers. There's usually fans around. Like you said, there was fans at quarters. There's family and friends there. And now you're playing in front of an empty gym for probably the first time in your career or the first time since high school, maybe. Yeah. And it's a semifinal at nationals. Yeah, it was, uh, it was super quiet. Um, but I mean, we definitely have probably the best bench club, um, in the OCAA, maybe even CCAA. Um, so they definitely kept it loud for us. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of sucked not seeing your, your friends and family in the stands and, and not any, any noise cheering for you or even against you. Um, but, uh, again, we were so glad that we were able to play and finish the game anyway. Um, and we still pulled off that 3-0 win in the semifinals with no fans for a first game like that. So we were pretty proud of that and, and definitely happy to move, uh, move on to the finals. Nice. And then let's skip one more. Uh, 2022, you guys obviously take down the gold medal. It's a little bit uh, of a tweaked year in terms of you're in divisions and then you're kind of in pods and, and it goes through that way. But uh, even though I, I imagine you guys were just excited to be back in the gym because the year was canceled, was there any distraction about the format of the league or you guys are like, I don't care what the format is of the OCAA, we're going to win it no matter what's going on? Yeah, we didn't worry too much about the format. Um, it was it was only half the season. So we played... Uh, some games at home, some games away, and only it was um, we played each team once. So, uh, yeah, moving forward, we we really didn't know how the OCW uh, provincial was going to go, like how it was only top four. Um, but yeah, again, like like I said, we didn't uh, we didn't allow that to uh, give us any distractions. Uh, we still played our quarters at home, um, had that win, and moved on to the provincials. Um, and we still treated the same, treated like a like a playoff game and. We came out those uh, those two uh, games uh, at Canada were pretty uh, pretty strong and firing, um, both three zero wins. So it was a solid uh, solid provincials for sure. The nation's best are coming to Hamilton. The Marauders are proud to host the 2023 U Sports Men's Volleyball National Championship, and will welcome the top men's volleyball teams in Canada to McMaster University. Eight teams, 11 games, and only one champion. Secure your spot now and be there to catch all of the action. Your seat awaits. Tickets are available at marauders.ca slash tickets. Now, take me behind the scenes just a little bit in terms of uh, your mentality in, in the setting game because when we look up and down the Humber rosters, you're usually with uh, a Cayman Wilkins or a Dylan Devisary or uh, Josh Fedari, who I'm a big fan of. So you usually have a guy on the team where everybody in the gym knows that guy's going to get a ton of volume, but you as the setter still have to somehow get them one-on-ones, which I think is such a, a difficult task. So what's your kind of philosophy when you're setting up a game plan that like, yes, I have this stud that's going to get their volume, but you still have to distribute it or find find the right opportunities to get them the ball, right? Yeah, for sure. I like to read the offense and read um, read the other side and dedicate like the small zones and figure out where, um, like you said, Fidari, um could hit around that. 
but uh, we kind of do like a push and pull situation where um, when Fedari's on the right side, I would have my middle run that shoot ball. Um, and then if I see the other middle on the other side, lean towards our shoot, then I'll push it back to Fedari or whoever's on the right side um, to have that one-on-one or to create that middle um, coming to our right, uh, coming to this right side um, pretty late and have a seam in the gap. Um, but yeah, I definitely use a lot of push and pull in that, in those scenarios um, to open up gaps. Um, and that's definitely what uh, Wayne is definitely kind of enforcing me this year to to do definitely because we don't really have that one banger. So definitely have to spread out that offense and make sure uh, I deliver a, a one-on-one or a no block even. So that push and pull and works really well um, with our offense for sure. I've never really seen a game plan survive a whole match. So when you're adjusting in game, is that something you kind of take pride of is looking through the net and getting scenarios? Are you getting help from either like another setter on the squad or another coach? Or how are you kind of making sure uh, that they're adjusting in a way that you're predicting they can keep countering? Um, Yeah, mostly from my coach. um, If I don't see it, um, definitely from Wayne. Um, There's a lot of times that teams would switch on us um, if they think that they have a better blocker, for example, like on Fidari. A lot of teams would switch on us to make sure that uh, they had a bigger blocker for Dari. So if I wasn't able to recognize that um, on the first one, Wayne would just quickly tell me they're switching, they're switching or whatnot. Um, So I knew that moving forward. But yeah, definitely from the coaches and even even from some players as well, if they recognize some some change in the play, um, anything behind me or or whatnot, then just communication on the court with that for sure. So, and this year specifically, I was hoping you give us the behind the scenes where uh, Big Bad Humber didn't get off to a hot start, and, and I'm sure nobody in the league really felt too bad for you guys in terms of uh, what was going on with with a tough start and a couple losses to Niagara and Fanshawe in that first semester. So, how did you guys feel like you you weathered the storm? I know you mentioned you, you were going to have guys eligible in the second semester, but uh, like I said, nobody was feeling bad when you guys uh, Niagara Fanshawe. I think he dropped a redeemer in five Mohawk. Like, like the league was probably like, finally, yes, Humber's going to have a down year. And then you guys do find a way to bounce back. So uh, how are you guys in the team room and not panicking or buying into the hype that like it finally wasn't going to be your year? Yeah, honestly, like you said, teams are loving it. Team, teams were loving it uh, that we were losing first semester. And, and I think we were placed like eighth or seventh even on the list. So teams were loving it. But uh, yeah, we were staying calm and we knew that wasn't us. And the games that we lost, um, especially like the ones to Redeemer, um, they were like they were close games, um, but we definitely knew that we were able to bounce back and uh, and keep uh, keep looking forward and not at the past. And and definitely we worked on a lot of a lot of different things in practice to to better our skill and and better the things that we needed to work on to uh, to win the next matches onward. But, but yeah, definitely um, in the first semester it was hard without a libero. We had uh, we had a few guys. Uh, try to step into those position, uh, that position as a libero and, uh, they did great. Um, but definitely not the position that, uh, they should be playing in. Um, and then second semester, we did end up getting an actual libero, which definitely helped us in the passing, um, and, uh, to run the offense for sure. Um, and we also got, uh, Taven, uh, UFT transfer that was, uh, ineligible to play first semester, but he came, uh, came second semester and, and he's been, uh, been a crazy help for our team this far so 
So was it a nice balance of uh, coach-led, like they were panicking, so you were panicking, or, or was there a few guys, including you, like who had a voice in the team room as well, that like this wasn't going to be our, the year, like the way we started wasn't going to be the way we finished? Yeah, um, everyone stayed pretty calm. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say anyone was panicking or anything, but I know uh, for myself and the vets for the previous years, like we weren't used to it. Uh, we were used to, you know, going pretty much eighteen to zero. Uh, for the last two years and then previous years losing one or two games just a fan shot but uh but yeah we stayed pretty humble and uh we kind of used those games as hunger towards the next games to, to you know to fuel us up and to want it more and uh we just knew we weren't the same team as we were last year uh losing i think wayne said 65 percent of our offense with fedora and rezar um so we kind of just had to adjust um to us being that team and not worrying about how we were previous years and focusing on who we are now and uh, and what we can do to better better ourselves better ourselves for for the upcoming games and I definitely think we did so. And this year, it to me as a fan, it just feels more exciting. I want to know as a player perspective, uh, is it exciting to have the final eight back? Because the you guys got interrupted by COVID, and then last year was kind of like just single games, like the home and away thing. Where now you're back to that OCAA final eight. It's hard to get there. There's like a festival feel. Like, are you, are you guys pretty excited to be going to Fanshawe for those three days? Yeah, definitely excited. Um, we play Algonquin in the quarter, so uh, we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to that for sure. And uh, we always like going to the banquet, dressing up and uh, feeling a part of that. So it's always a, it's always a good feeling to go uh, to make it to provincials for sure. And how have you guys weathered the storm in terms of distractions where you're going to host CCAA? So uh, Coach Wayne has known you're in national championships since he started doing a seasonal plan where uh, I'm sure he hasn't looked past that. I mean, it's it's nice to have and it's going to be great to play at home. But I just have a sense that Coach Wayne and the other the, the other coaches know that you would rather earn it and you would rather get the OCAA one spot coming through. So what was the message to the team being like, guys, yes, we're hosting, but we still want to be that OCAA one seed? Yeah, we definitely want to uh, three-peat this for sure. Um, but we have nothing to lose, so we're we're just we just want to go out there and play and and play our best because we have no pressure. We uh, we're already in the national uh, championship, so the, the teams have to to beat us to get through it um, to get to to the national. So um, we're definitely excited to uh, to just get out there and play and uh, see what competition comes uh, comes our way. And how are you personally dealing with that? Because, uh, like I said, it's nice to know you're in nationals, but not to over-dramatize this, but uh, this is going to be your last game. No matter what the result is, this is going to be it, and you're, you're lucky enough to get a chance to play in front of family and friends. But uh, are you trying to enjoy the moment as much as possible? Or are you kind of just letting it fly by that you're not even going to think twice about it? Like, what's your mood going into nationals? No, I definitely want to enjoy every moment um, going into nationals. Um, I'm I'm going there to win no matter what, um, and I'm making sure that that's going to happen uh, with my team. But definitely going to enjoy every moment of it and every point and uh, take it all in because, like you said, it's the last of it. So I'm excited, and uh, there's definitely going to be more. So now we haven't really spoke much before this and i'm getting a sense from an interview you're not much to talk about the solo stuff but man we have to dive into this just based on the alumni that humber has so uh when i heard about the ace thing i was like okay maybe he started all five years learning through this interview you didn't you're you're a four-year guy so that kind of excused the record a little bit and to have that single season one so i have to know from the service line what's your mindset because you're beating guys like terrell you're beating guys like dylan devisary even if you go way back like hall of famers like tim pennyfeather like there's been some stuff 
let's go through that Humber program. Chris Simic, like, how are you the leading ace guy? Like, is that molten ball a bit of an assist because you like to spin serve? Like, what's some little things going on that do you just have the green light to go hammer it from the service line? Like, what's the secret here? You're a baseball guy, so I imagine you got that gnarly arm swing. But what else has contributed to this record? Yeah, um, I mean, pretty much it's just go up there and rip. Um, there's been a few changes in my toss and in my form um, that Coach Wayne Wilkins has definitely helped and uh, to better my serve. But yeah, like you said, baseball, um, I have a good arm. I don't jump uh, too high. So I have a momentum approach um, to allow me to jump in, like in towards the court to to create that power. But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I can place it pretty well as well to get those short, um, to get guys out of rotation and to even catch them on their toes one or two times. But uh yeah, definitely just go up and rip and uh, and just feel it, yeah. So when you say momentum, if you had to think about it, are you on your first step with the toss? Like, you don't toss and pause. Like, you're kind of in motion on that first toss? Yeah, I walk. Like, that. my first step, I don't, I haven't tossed it. So I, I walk first, and then I kind of go in with it and start the approach there. And have you had to play around with the height with that? Is it safe to say that you probably appreciate a little bit of a lower toss because you already are in motion? Yes, um, definitely a lower toss, but um, the higher I toss, like the more I have to reach. And I find when I toss it higher um, and I can reach, that gives me my most power. Um, and then the lower it is, I kind of have to hybrid it most of the time and change it into a float serve um, just because I won't be able to get that full um, snap over the ball. So sometimes I have to play around with it depending on the toss. So. I'm glad you bring that up. So when you choose to hybrid, it's based in the moment on the toss. Like you haven't predetermined what you're going to do. Yeah. I always like going back to the line. I'll always like have in the back of my head that I'm ripping um, unless I'm going into like place a a short serve, but I'll never have like that. I'm going to hybrid a serve. Um, It's just depending on the bad toss. If I hybrid a serve, it's because I had the bad toss. (laughs) <laughs> that's so cool uh the other thing i appreciate about your serve is sometimes you can put some pretty gnarly hook on it and i'm wondering are you thinking about bending the ball or are you just trying to hit it as hard as you can and your arm swing slot kind of takes a cross body like that um uh, yeah it's pretty much a little cross body but also like i have that angle um i'm coming in from one to one um straight on that angle so um it's pretty much that and i just kind of go straight power with that straight on as a server, do you tend to have a favorite zone? Are you picking on what you think is the lowest effective passer? Uh, like, are you kind of like a best serve guy, or are you following a game plan when you go back there? Yes and no. Um, I tend to serve one to one. As a lot of teams know that they stack pretty much two to three guys, even in in position one, and leave one guy in five. Uh, uh, a lot of teams do a four man uh, service team, but. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll try the one down the line a few times if uh, if our game plan is to serve up the front row left side, but uh, definitely for me is just to go up and rip to rip my comfortable shot one to one. No, I like six that scene. I like how you said the hybrid was in the moment. I'm wondering when you sneak these shorties just to bite it, uh, is that in the moment or are you looking at the service receive lineup being like, okay, I've just hit two, they're backed up now, I'm going to sneak one. Like, is that kind of in the moment or is that planned before you toss it? Um, so sometimes, sometimes it's pre pre-planned. Like sometimes I'll start with it I start with a short one. Uh, cause some teams will start deep on me knowing that I have a hard, um, harder serve that tends to normally land near the back line. Um, so if I see that I'll pop one, uh, short just to see if they're on their toes or whatnot. Um, 
But yeah, if not, again, could be on a on a bad toss that I just go up and just try to be crafty with it to place it. Um, but I would say most of the time for the short ones, they are predetermined. Now, there are some old school pessimistic coaches who think setters should float serve because you got to jump set every ball. You got to be physical at the net. Your mind has to be on the other team's blockers in your offense. Can I hear it from you first so we can correct this for the kids? You being an aggressive server hasn't affected your setting or your decision making or you're not fatiguing late in matches. Like, is it fun being a physical guy at the service line or do you ever tend to like gas yourself out or distract yourself from your main role uh, of dishing the offense? No, absolutely. I love being a spin server um, and I love being able to get points for my team um, and or getting the other team out of system. Um, but yeah, there are some times that I go on a, you know, eight, nine, ten point run that uh, I do get a little, little tired, but uh, I do get pretty lucky. A lot of coaches do call out timeouts on my serve. So after a few, uh, few good ones, so I get a water break during that. So, but no, I love it. I love spin serving, and, uh, and I'm glad I uh, I got on the spin server. So mentally, when they call a timeout, you're thinking, "Yes, I get a rest," versus like, "Oh, I, I got to change something." Like, obviously, the intent of them calling a timeout is to slow you down, where you're kind of like almost thankful that it's happening. Um, I love it. I think I think it's a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like an honor, I guess, when a, a coach calls a timeout uh, on my serve. Uh, I guess not an honor, but. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah. But again, if, depending on how long the run is, I definitely love to just sit there and have a quick drink and wipe my sweat off. So it is, uh, it is a good little break. <laughs> when you were approaching these records, were you aware of it? Were you doing the countdown? Were you thinking, oh, yes, we're playing a team lower in the standings. I'm going to rip six this game. Like, were you conscious of it or were you just going back being like, I'm a strong server. This is what I enjoy. The numbers are what they are. I was um, when I was pretty close to the season record just because a lot of people were in my year. Uh, a lot of family members just, oh, you're five away and whatnot. So it did kind of affect my serving um, when I was closer to that, that number um, just because going back to that line, I had that in the back of my head. But after that, I didn't let it affect me um, and just go up and don't really aim for the aces. And I just kind of go up and rip as hard as I can to get the team out of system. So and same thing with the assists were you aware of that record coming or was that just confirmation that like we're winning a lot of games i think i'm being efficient therefore these are going to add up right yeah i had no clue until uh until humber posted it i had no clue oh, hey. that, uh, i broke that record so sweet especially with some of the setters that have come through humber do you let wayne know they're like hey man you played here and uh, obviously i've got the record now <laughs> yeah i'm ahead <laughs> Sweet, man. Well, this has been so cool to hear about your your path and your contribution here. So best of luck as we're recording this. Congratulations. Uh, you guys just won your quarter or excuse me, play in game. So I got a pre quarter. Now you got Algonquin. So big things left. So I want to thank you for taking the time and sharing a little behind the scenes before we go. But uh, one thing we've built into a tradition on the show is just to tell a funny or unique story where you're, you're an all time guy at Humber. But I imagine something odd or funny has happened along the way that you could give us a laugh before we let you go. Yeah, so um, a good one from this year, actually. Um, our team uh, took a trip down to L.A. Um, during uh, Christmas break. And a few of us decided to go to the L.A. Chargers game. Um, and a few of us were myself being 6'6", six, 6'10", six, uh, uh, Buddy 6'8", and a 6'4". Um, so we were just at the Chargers game. And uh, we were just getting a lot of looks um, from a few different people and whatnot. So we went down to the shop. Uh, the LA Chargers shop to look around and 
uh, a mom, an, old, an older lady came up to us and uh, thought we were like some famous people. So we then like proceeded to tell her that we were uh, professional uh, golfers and try to convince her um, with that. And, and we ended up convincing a few people that we were professional golfers from Toronto. Um, even like my 6'10 buddy, like explaining like all the dynamics of being tall with the swing and, and everything. And so we even like had a few people like take pictures with us in the Chargers stadium because like a lot of people thought we were famous. So it was a lot, it was, it was super funny. So, and we brought that, uh, that story back to our uh, team and cause not all of us, uh, not all of us went. So it was super funny and uh, it was a good moment for sure. That that's amazing, and I'm also a little bit sad as a volleyball guy that you got a better response being professional golfers than if you would have said, "Oh, we're we're a high level volleyball team from Canada." They were like, oh, "Okay, that's cool." <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. Yeah, we we uh, we tend to change it up a lot. Sometimes like ping pong, uh, curling, and whatnot. We just have some fun with it, just because we get basketball too often, but. We never, we never ever say volleyball players. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It was great to hear the behind the scenes. Keep padding those stats. Hopefully, you set unreachable records for the next number guys to get after. But uh, as you're listening to this, uh, hopefully you're at Fanshawe or plan on going by to hopefully watch you guys uh, play in another uh, championship final. Maybe it'll be Fanshawe. It'll be another great rivalry game at their building. That'll be fun. And then hopefully we get a repeat of that OCAA final at Nationals this year when you guys are hosting at Humber. So, Jake, thanks again for coming on and sharing all that you did. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.